Like for real, when was the moment you realized that life keeps happening? Maybe one day you woke up and realized you're going to go through the same routine, have the same problems, have the same to-do list, and it never really seems like you catch up to your life. If that's relatable, I'm excited that you tuned into this episode. My name is Jordan Bishop, and I want to welcome you to the Embrace Your Truly podcast. The whole idea behind these conversations, this podcast, is to develop the practice of connecting with self. I want to talk about your heart, how you feel, how you think, and what's truly important to you. And maybe you don't know yet, and that's cool too. But it's conversations like these that help us better understand the purpose of all of our emotions and all of our thoughts. There's the world, there's life, there's your life, and there's you. And we're going to start with you. Why? Because when we embody a self-embraced framework, everything in life becomes much less complicated. So let's talk about you. Let's dive into the version of you that only you know. When you're actually in the backseat of a car, you can basically do whatever you want. Like you can lie down, you can stare mindlessly out the window, you can close your eyes without any, without any worry. There's zero responsibility when you're not the one driving. We can even play that game where, I don't know, I'm going to call it where objects may appear closer than they are. You know what I'm talking about? When we fixate on something that's right in front of us when we're in the backseat, when we look outside the window, when we look down at the street and we watch it go by and we try to keep our eyes up with it too. Or if we stare directly out the side of the window and watch the trees go by and we try to count them one, two, three. I don't know. I've done the same thing with trains, trying to count trains. And when we do this game, we're so focused in on what's right in front of us. For one, we get dizzy and it messes with our, (laughs) it messes with our um, equilibrium. And as we are so focused in on what's right in front of us, we definitely don't discern the objects that are further out because essentially it doesn't exist because it wasn't in our immediate line of vision. When we're in the back seat, we don't think about what we're missing out on. If it's not in our line of vision, we don't really have to worry about pulling away from unfamiliar things either. We're very comfortable in seeing what's right in front of us, the familiar. So to truly take control of our life, be present in life. There has to be a breakthrough in understanding why we're in the back seat in the first place. So how do you do that? Well, we have to understand where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. And I don't think that we take a back seat intentionally. I think we just realize that we're in the back seat one day and we don't really have the will to change our circumstances. I think we're in the back seat for three reasons. One, because we're avoidant. We have this idea that if it's meant to be, it's going to be, and you don't really have to do anything about it. Two, I don't think we know how to be courageous, which spikes loneliness. And three, I think it's because we're disconnected from self. So when we look at the first one, avoidance, this idea of what's meant to be is going to happen, right? Like she was dealt this hand. I was dealt this hand. That my circumstances are what they are, right? And this fuels the inaccurate belief that we can't change our situation, our life. And this thinking feeds the avoidant state because we think there's this acceptance to not even trying to go somewhere that we haven't been. In a way, this is an acceptance of stagnancy. 
Because when there's an avoidance to change, there's an avoidance to growth. And this state of mind is kind of a mindfuck. Let's think about it in terms of pain. I think sometimes we think that we're destined to feel pain just because we experience it. So we want to run from it or hide from it, which that turns into a war in our own head because the pain that we're trying to avoid sits on our back. It's always with us, even when we want to act like it's not there. So with the idea of what's meant to be is going to be for me, apply it to whatever you believe in. Don't you want to say in that? Don't you want to have said that I aligned myself with my purpose and I did everything that made sense to me in that pursuit? Then allow your cards to fall, however they may. Now, transitioning to how loneliness spikes, my head goes in a very different direction. And I think in in this sense, it comes from not knowing how to be courageous. And I think there's a there's a big misconception about why people become lonely. And it's not from a lack of social skills. And it's not from a lack of wanting closeness. I truly believe that loneliness can lead a crowded mind into fear. Essentially, the mind is too full and we don't know how to manage it. So then we kind of go to worst case scenario where we expect negative stimuli. The concept of loneliness gets really interesting because I think it starts to stem into our self-worth, where we kind of start to believe that we aren't worthy of commitment. So we withdraw from relationships prematurely. There's this natural distrust in others that we create when we don't trust ourselves. If there's not trust in self, though, why should anybody else trust you? I think about correspondence bias when talking about internal beliefs that lead us to jump to worst case scenario. And what, and what it means is it's our tendency to draw conclusions about somebody else's personality based on how they act. Even though the state in which we see somebody behave a certain way can simply be explained by aligning their behavior with what the situation is. For example, when you walk up to a dealership and you see a car salesman and they start talking to you, there is an automatic perception that they're up to something and we're turned off by that. But it's their job to make you fall in love with a car doesn't actually mean that that person is deceptive in nature. When looking at why we develop a lack of trust, it typically comes from the past experience of not being able to trust somebody, right? So when we have new interactions with people that remind us of a person or persons from our past who we weren't able to trust then we automatically conclude that, okay, you remind me of him, so I'm not trusting you. Or we take this on a much larger scale and carry the belief that we simply can't trust people at all. So why does this happen? It brings me back to the term that I used not too long ago, which is correspondence bias, which Daniel Gilbert, who's a Harvard psychologist, actually discovered that there's four root causes of this. And he talks about it in relation to how we project others' behaviors and how they're connected to having basically fixed personality traits. But I want to kind of flip the script and I want you to think about correspondence bias about yourself and the beliefs that you have about yourself. For example, your behaviors that make you believe that you have fixed personality traits. And the four root causes that he talks about is, one, we lack full awareness of situations. Two, we have unrealistic expectations. Three, we exaggerate assessments of behavior. 
And four, we failed to correct our initial assumptions, which how I see it, all of these reasons are what keeps us from engaging in love, from becoming, from embracing everything, which leads me directly into my third reason as to why we're in the backseat, which is being detached from ourself. And I mean, essentially, it's depersonalization, this belief that we don't have control over our thoughts, which in reference to being in the backseat of your car, this is directly watching your life rapidly go by. We're stagnant and staring out the side window. So we really never give ourselves the option to look forward. And we don't ever give ourselves the responsibility to take control of adopting a different lens, seeing life a different way, because all we see is the blurred images that are around us and we just can't focus. So it's interesting because we don't really know what we're missing out on when we are detached from ourselves. And I think where we get caught up in this is in the need to label ourselves or the need to identify with one specific thing just to make sense of the world around us, which is like super intense because it fucks with your mental health. Because if you're on this search to identify with one thing, to give yourself a label, I am this, I'm a part of this group, but you don't understand who you are without that. It's this ingrained identity piece that you literally feel like you can't get away from. Like it's a huge part of you. And if you explore anything new, that's going to, in a way, not align with that identity. And maybe you want to branch out from it, but you literally just don't know how. Life keeps happening around you. So I think it's interesting, even when you want to be authentic and you see other people doing things like, oh, that looks fun. Or you see somebody and you're like, oh, they're attractive. Or just like you resonate with certain things but you don't engage with it because you feel like you literally can't. It's this idea that you're so focused on the side view that you can't look forward. And even if you do look forward, you're not the one in control, so you can't act. Now, pulling this all together, avoidance, loneliness, detachment from self, there's a couple things that I want to point out before diving into each one of these more depthly. So for one, all of these our normal experiences. I need you to know that. We as humans crave connection and intention. So when we don't feel like we're aligned with those things, our mind, our body want to problem solve. And these are some of the feelings that are necessary to make sense of life, right? We run, we hide because we don't have to take responsibility over anything. When I think about reasons as to why we would be in an avoidant state to take responsibility of our life, I want you to ask yourself a few questions. And if you have to come back to this later, feel free to do so. What would happen if you stopped avoiding situations? What would happen if you started to invite change into your life? What if you allowed yourself time to be great? The hard truth about goals and resolutions, right? They fail. Why? Why do they fail? Because they're short lived, because we see them as short term, right? Hard deadlines are going to set us up for failure. Even if we do achieve something short-term, we probably don't sustain it because we know that there's going to be a stop date to it. So we do it short-term and then it, then what? Then we don't go back to it. We're like, nope, like I accomplished that. Like that's done. I think another direction with this is a lot of the times when we don't do things, more often than not, it's because we have this fear to act now because we don't want to miss out on what's happening right in front of us. We forget that we have an entire life to live. 
we forget to check in with our values. We forget to align what we do today with what we want in the future. You know what I mean? There's this need not to miss out now. Or there's this thought that we have time to do something or achieve something later. Let's look at some things that you could want short term. Maybe you want to wake up at 11 instead of 7. You want to sleep instead of get up and work out. You'd rather, like if you're a hooper, you tell yourself, I can get up shots later. If you're a mom or dad, you can tell yourself, like, ah, oh, like I'll catch, I'll catch my daughter later. I missed them. I wasn't there when they got up this morning. I overslept. Oh, I'll catch them later. But when you think about these things that you're doing in the short term, are they affecting the long-term things that you care about? What do you value, right? It's our check-in point. What do you value? If future you benefits from waking up four hours earlier than you're used to, you need to get up. Future you as in if you want to be a good parent to your kid and you want to make sure that you're available, reevaluate what you what you got going on right now. If you're an athlete and you're trying to get a top spot, like get on your fucking grind. Wake up early, get your shots done. Cause then guess what? You can actually still enjoy your day. Get your work done early. Put some more work in in the evening. Enjoy your day. Be in the moments that you have, but whatever you want for your future, align yourself with it today. And you have to give up. Honestly, here's the thing. You have to give up some of these short-term pleasures for your long-term goals and your long-term health. And however that looks, you know what I mean? Like that side hobby that you keep hoping is just going to happen for you is like someone's going to just show up in your life and they'll be like, hey, do you want to do this? I'll pay you to do it. Like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like that thing that you keep wanting to do that you're like on the edge of like fucking with, go pursue it. You avoiding it only gives you one option. And guess what? You are never going to have the chance to be great at it. Like it's just, it's just crazy. And it's, it really is as simple as waking up a couple hours earlier than you're used to. Waking up 30 minutes earlier. Wake the fuck up 30 minutes earlier to get the life that you want. Just for giving yourself two extra hours or 30 minutes or whatever it is, just a little bit more time in the morning so that you get your mind right to get what you want later in life. You gotta do it. You gotta sacrifice some of the short-term things. Like, you wanna deepen your relationship with your daughter or your son? Like, man, show up for them always. Time is not on our side. And I think that we are really delusional about that. Stop waiting. Start communicating. Start grinding. Just little, little tiny bits. Like we got to get out of our familiar if we're going to make any type of growth. We got to get out of the back seat. And it starts with getting out of this comfort zone in our avoidant states. If we're going to align with being the driver in our life. And that's really where understanding the point of avoidance and understanding what we can gain from avoidance is we can lean into other things. Life starts to unfold. You start to experience. You start to not become afraid. You start to call your own shots and realize that life is happening for you. Now the loneliness states. I think first off, 
acknowledging that your feelings and experiences exist is number one. We can't change anything until we accept what exists right now. We can't stop the bleeding if you're still in the fight. There has to be a stopping in the attacking of self first. Then we can let peace come to light and literally step into the front seat by allowing yourself to be safe with yourself. I think we also see loneliness as a barrier. And it's not. We have to stop seeing it as a barrier and think about how can we actually use this feeling. And for me, specifically, it serves as creative expression. Maybe for you, it can help you empathize with your coworkers. Maybe it could lead you down a path to simply connect with other people. Or maybe it makes you realize that you've spent a lot of time on you and now you need companionship, right? There's nothing bad about being lonely. It's just an opportunity for us to check in with the emotion and to see what we need. We just have to find ways that we can actually use the emotion. We have to remember that our existence is not ordinary. It's rare and it's purposeful. So everything that we're experiencing is valuable. And then when we look at being detached from ourself, there's a lot of different directions that we could go with this. But I think the most simplest way to understand that is by framing it in the sense of not having control of your life. And when connecting it to ourself, I think it's from believing in the story that we have told ourselves for so long. And because we told ourselves the story for so long, it makes no sense to get out of the story. Or we truly just have no conceptual understanding of how that would even look. To kind of like lighten the mood a little bit, let's think about, let's think about something simple that maybe is not simple, actually. Like maybe you have a deep belief that you do not dance. So whenever you're in public situations where music comes on, you leave, you bounce, you hide, you act like you don't hear the music, you go back into the first state, which is avoidance. Maybe your partner can't even get you to dance at home. Like there's no way you're dancing in public, right? But picture this. You're at work. You go into the break room because you want to grab some coffee. As you're grabbing coffee, you're just kind of hanging out. You're in thought. It is what it is. And a coworker comes in who you've only really said hello to. But they don't just come in. They bust through the door. And as they bust through the door, they kind of just stop, grab their phone, and start scrolling. And they look up and they see you see them. And you're like, what is happening? Like, why do they just bust in here like that? And as you lock eyes with them, they click on their phone and you start to hear the unforgettable beginning of Whitney Houston's iconic song, How Will I Know? And before you even hear the words of the song, they start dancing along to the beat. Now, you, person who deeply believes that you do not dance, are the only other person in the room. What do you do? You have the choice. Fight the urge to not sing How Will I Know If He Really Loves Me at the top of your lungs. Or even worse, fight your toes from tapping along to the beat. Or you run. You leave. Now, this moment is not about your coworker. 
It's about you. It's a moment of action. And either direction that you go with this, you're making a choice. Regardless, fear, panic, anxiousness, all those feelings of uncomfortableness will most likely flood you. But it's Winnie Houston. You love this song. You actually like to sing along to this song in your car and dance, you know, the car dance, upper body style. It's a pivotal opportunity for you to let yourself be free from the mold that you have been confined to in this belief that you do not dance. Sure, you might be embarrassed. You might turn red. You might sweat a little bit. This might be a follow-up conversation later. But it doesn't matter. Because this is about you. And sure, if you engage in this activity, it might not be a full breakthrough moment for you. But it could be a start to taking control of your choices and letting your body do whatever it's going to do when you hear this beautiful ass song. And then if you experience the moment, if you lean into the moment, you can cry, you can laugh, you can breathe, you can do whatever you got to do after the moment's passed. But it's in these moment to moment experiences that can break us from the deep beliefs that we feel are truly unbreakable. I really do believe that when we feel like we don't have control over something in our life, that we got to go somewhere that we've never been to truly test our will to guide our own lives. So as you leave here today, I want to leave you with a couple questions. One, I want you to ask yourself, what has influenced you to take a backseat to your life? Two, how will you set the pace for the life that you want to live? And then my last question that I want you to ask yourself is, what do you need from yourself right now for you to change the trajectory of your life? So thank you guys for listening to another episode on the Embrace Your Truly podcast. And you already know this is a new podcast, so please go ahead and leave a rating and a review. And of course, if you like the conversations that we have here, tell a friend to come check it out too. See you next time.